So one thing that, that you'll learn about me is that I really like the idea of, of setting personal goals, like um, especially kind of at the end of the year, like set yearly, uh, yearly goals. And, and at the end of the year, kind of looking at like, okay, how well did we do with that? Like, was this a good thing? Uh, did we terribly fail at this thing? And should we never try this again? And so if, if you're like that, okay, and if you're like me in that way, um, you know that the end of one year and the beginning of the next are really important. Okay, because for me, at the end of one year, I am I am reflecting on how those things went. I am I'm thinking through like everything that God has done in that year, uh, how many changes have taken place, and and you're also establishing what new goals you want to try in the new year. And so the beginning of the next year is important because for me, January one, out of the gate, we're doing it right. Like if we're, if we're working out, we are, we're hitting the gym, we're putting some extra plates on that bar. Uh, if we have a goal to read, we're hitting the books. If we're doing some kind of Bible reading plan, Genesis 1, let's go, January 1, like out of the gates. And so um, you, you know that if, if that's really your thing, the, the end of one year and the beginning of the next are a really big deal. And so uh, for me, not just those things, uh, but over the course of Christmas, there's, for a lot of us, there's a lot of different projects, a lot of different things. If you've got young kids, there's probably things that, that they need help sort of putting together from Christmas still. And so there's just this, this full range of things, uh, projects and goals personally uh, that I sought to accomplish. And then the day after Christmas comes that I began to feel, feel a little bit warm, right? Got the tickle in my throat. The cough comes. I began to lose my taste. I began to lose my sense of smell, right? Everything that you eat tastes like cardboard. And so when you feel sick, when you feel feverish, one of the things that can bring you comfort is, is, a, is a hot cup of coffee, is some of your favorite foods. And even those things did not help right? So, uh, so along with some of those symptoms and some other symptoms that we won't really uh, talk about, um, just all in all, it is just a great weight loss program that is COVID, right? And so, uh, so this, hits, <clears throat> this hits our household, and just as my fever breaks and I began to feel a little bit better, uh, two out of our three kids get hit with something else. And so my, my sweet wife is just caring for everyone, um, hanging on by a thread, uh, sanitizing things multiple times a day, trying to keep the two-year-old uh, healthy and well, just because many of you know if, if a two-year-old gets it, it's, yeah, it's not fun. Um, but uh, but Stacy already is, is the early 2024 favorite to win MVP of the Griffin household. And if, if she does, it will be her 15th straight year, right? <laughs> So there's no, no surprise there, but um, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who, who loved us and, and brought us Jell-O and Gatorade and meals and all of those things. Thank you for loving us uh, in that way during that season. Um, but needless to say, um, any reflection right, that I might have had the opportunity to do, uh, any, any projects or goal setting starting fresh on January 1, big fail, right? Like what is... I mean, just as, for, as far as some of those goes, like I started out my goals 0 for 7, and for some of them, I think today's the 14th, 0 for 14. Like it's just not going great for me in that department. And, and I'm not blaming anyone. It's not anyone's fault. There, there are sometimes things that happen in life uh, that are out of our control. Um, I suppose that I could blame the scientists in the Wuhan lab, 
but we've been trying to blame them for years now. I think they're going to get off scot-free. Um, but but there, are, there are these certain things that, again, happen that are out of our control. And, and I mentioned Curtis, and I want to say a special thank you for Curtis for, for covering the past two Sundays. Every, every church needs a bullpen of preachers uh, that can throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, okay? And so last week, Curtis began a series for us called 24. And, uh, and that is a series based on prayer. And what we're doing over, over the course of 24 days is that we are dedicating ourselves uh, to prayer as a church. And one of the ways that we're doing that is we have a prayer guide. We have a hard copy prayer guide. There is a prayer guide at the, at the back of the sanctuary. And we also have some here. If you're on Facebook or Instagram, you can also uh, find those. Those are posted daily, as well as if you have the app, you can enable the notifications and have those sent daily to you. But, uh, but we pray as a church because no church will be effective if its people do not pray. Uh, we, we will not see Christ-centered life change. We will not see Christ-centered transformation in our people if we do not pray. We will not experience that as a church. We will not experience that as families or individuals if we are not people of prayer. And what will happen is we will miss out on all of the things that God is doing, not just in this community, uh, but in this world as a whole. We need to be people of prayer. And, and as I mentioned, just us being sick and COVID and some of those things, we all can, can dial it back a few years and remember what that season was like, can't we? Whether we had the, the illness or not. But life really changed. Like once COVID made its way uh, over the ocean to, to our side of the world, um, a lot changed. Schools shut down, businesses shut down. And for some of you, that meant you could work from home. Uh, for some of you, that meant you had to go in and you had to make it, uh, make it work another way. Some of you lost your jobs, lost employment because of that. Uh, there are families that, that truly reconnected uh, because they had so much time with each other. And then there are individuals who were lonely and depressed and suicidal. And so COVID changed the way that normal life looked. It disrupted life in so many different ways. And it was in this season that people began asking questions like, how am I going to get through this? Like, when will this ever stop? Like, what's, what's the future look like? Like, is, is this the new normal? And, and what might I do to change this? So there's, there's all of these outward circumstances, and this was a big one. There's all these outward circumstances that produced an internal response. And that internal response for so many people was prayer. For many of them, doing it for the very first time. Life situations, life circumstances have a way of, of provoking us to pray. There's just something in us, there's something uh, in our nature uh, that longs for, for this help, that longs for something bigger than us uh, to help us in some way. And there is a, a rabbi named Abraham Heschel who said this about prayer, and I thought this was very profound. He said, prayer is our humble answer to the inconceivable surprise of living. Right? Again, life has a way of sort of provoking us to pray at some point. And, and whether, uh, whether people claim to be people of God or not, there is, there's just something in us that, that cries out uh, for help. And so uh, while, while it's something that, that maybe some of us do on occasion, maybe it's something that we do from time to time, it's fair to say that a lot of us don't necessarily have just a great practice with it, whether prayer is something that we consider boring 
whether we think prayer is something that is, is a little confusing to us, or whether prayer is something that's sort of just like, yeah, I know I should do it, but I just don't necessarily make time for it. And um, Jesus doesn't want us to feel that way. Like Jesus, actually, no surprise, <coughs> Jesus has a lot of things to say about prayer. And one of the simplest passages on prayer can be found in Luke 11. So if you brought your Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Luke 11. We're going to spend a little bit of time in Luke. And sometimes we make things more complicated than they need to be. Sometimes we make things more complicated than Jesus actually does. And so in Luke chapter 11, <coughs> starting in verse 1, we read this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. And what Jesus goes into is he goes into uh, the most popular prayer in the entire world, and that is the Lord's Prayer. And, and we talked about this some Wednesday night, is that when Jesus' disciples come to him, to teach him to pray. He doesn't go into a lecture on prayer. He doesn't give them an acronym or a formula, which all of those things can be helpful. But Jesus teaches them to pray by praying. right? So what that tells us is that prayer is more practice than it is theory. right? Prayer is something that you do. Prayer is something that to get better at it, it's something that you have to continually practice. It's like a conversation with your friends. Right? No one necessarily taught you how to have a conversation with your friends. It's something that just naturally happens. You ask questions about their life, and they give you answers. And they ask you questions about your life, and you give them answers. And, you, and by having a conversation, right, you, you build those conversational skills, and you become more proficient at it, and you learn more about that person. That's the way prayer works. Like The more that we do it, the better that we get at it. And so here's what Jesus says as we move further into Luke 11. He prays and teaches them the Lord's Prayer, and then he moves into this. In verse What's the, what's the phrase? Poor planning on your part does not necessitate an emergency on mine. Anybody ever use that one before? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we all know people like that. And so here's this man. Sounds like there's some poor planning on, on his part. Okay? So verse 7. <clears throat> and he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Right? We've all been there. Okay? You got kids. Um, if you wake up my baby, you're gonna get punched in the throat. Okay, seriously. Verse eight. I tell you though, 
he will not get up and give him anything because of his friend. Yet because of his imprudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And so Jesus makes the turn here, and he begins to teach about prayer. Verse 9. <clears throat> and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, right? I love that in the middle of this explanation, Jesus tells mid-sentence that his disciples are evil, right? Not even on topic. But he says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is, this is such a wonderful passage on prayer and one that we will likely return to in the weeks ahead. But one of the things that really jumped out to me in this passage as I read through it this week is that this man who's asking, <clears throat> again, it doesn't sound like he's starving. It sounds like he's made a mistake. It sounds like he's made an error. And and we've all, there have been times that, that we've all prayed because there's something that's happened in our lives that's out of our control. Somebody's gotten sick. Someone's been in an accident. Uh, you lose your job. There are certain things that are out of our control. But then there are times in our lives where we have made a mistake or we have sinned in some way. And I don't know about you, but I, I often find it difficult to pray and ask God for help whenever I have made the mistake. Like whenever this is on me, whenever I have sinned deeply, okay? Um, but, because, but what this passage does is this passage reveals the deeper heart of God. It reveals even more the nature of God to say, hey, even in those instances, even when you have messed up, even when you have made a mistake, even when you have sinned, you bring those things to me. Okay, because what does Philippians 4, 6 says? It says, do not, do not be worried about anything, but, but pray about everything. Right? Even if, when it's your fault, even when you have sinned, even when you have made a mistake, um, my, my graciousness, I welcome you to pray for these things. Because um, God does not check our prayers at the door and say, okay, this wasn't your fault, so I will hear this prayer. Hold on, buddy. This was your fault. You did make this mistake. You did sin. That's on you. Right? We feel like we deserve that punishment. But God says, no, but pray about everything. Right, so so what is what does that life look like if we were to pray about everything? Like, and I don't necessarily mean like every button that you button as you button up your shirt, like that's a bit much. But but what does it look like to have a life uh, where where this conversation with the Lord is just woven through every every moment of our day? Like, what is how, how would you start to do that? Like, what does that kind of life look like? And it, and it's how we would start most things, right? It's how we would start most things. Think about some of the things in life that you just kind of had to learn how to do. Like someone could explain to you how to do this thing. Someone could teach you the theory and the mechanics of it. But it's something that you, you don't really learn how to do it until you do it. It's like riding a bike, right? Okay, somebody could talk about how riding a bike works. But until you do it, right, <clears throat> that's when it, when it starts, okay? And I'm willing to bet many of you, well, I'll be careful in saying this, but... The first time you rode a bike is probably a lot different than today, right? Some of you I know probably wouldn't want to touch a bike, okay, because you've regressed a little bit. 
But, but the first day that you ride a bike is a lot different than the 10th and 11th day that you ride a bike. All right, the same goes for, for driving a car. All right, think about how well you drive a car versus day one. Anybody give their... Think about, who are my teachers in the room? Do I got a few teachers in the house? Okay, um, I, I'm willing to bet year one probably wasn't the best year of teaching, right? It probably got a lot better from there, just going out on a limb and saying that. Uh, did youth ministry for about 10 years. First year, not awesome. I'm just going to say that, okay? Uh, right now, still in the middle of my first year here. We'll see how it goes, right? Okay, so we can all think of things. That we, that, that we could probably laugh about, that we started terribly, things that we're pretty good at now. I know a guy who built a successful roofing company, but told me on his first day on the job, his wife packed him a lunch, and he threw up every bit of that lunch on his first day on the roof, right? So, things didn't start out great, but they got a lot better from there, didn't they? So it's okay to start poorly. It's okay to start poorly. There are countless celebrities, people who are incredibly talented that had really poor starts. Okay, many of you know Oprah Winfrey, billionaire, got the Oprah network. Okay, everybody gets a car. You get a car, you get a car. Was fired as a TV anchor in Baltimore. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld once went to go do stand-up before his show became so popular. Um, got froze up, couldn't say a word, got booed off stage. And he had the choice to either pack up his things and go home or return to that. Uh, was, was once a single mom living on welfare, lonely, depressed, trying to write a novel while she was going to school. We, we often think about some of the most talented people among us, and we, we tend to think that they've always been good at that. They've always been talented. They've always been great and wonderful at the things that they do, and it's, it's simply not true. Many of them started poorly. Many of them started and, and, and took that very first step, and I, I, sometimes I wonder, and, and I believe this, really, that the greatest enemy of our success is perfection. That we tend to think that if we can't be perfect at it, if it can't be 100% correct, then it's not even worth doing. I, I haven't done anything perfect in my entire life. Like, ask my wife, ask my kids, they can tell you. Like, there, there's not a single thing in my life that I have done perfect. And, and where in life does this idea even apply? Like, like hardly anywhere. Like, think about a, a job, a new job that you get that you're pretty good at now. But when you started, you weren't great at it. Like you, you probably, you had the option of either saying, I'm gonna continue to do this and I'm gonna get better at it, or I'm gonna tell my boss, I'm not gonna do it and probably get fired, right? The same goes for parenting, right? You make a mistake parenting. You say something that you shouldn't, right? You don't take your kid and say, well, I messed up. I'm gonna turn my kid back in. First of all, we don't want your kid. <laughs> Secondly, no, you, that's a moment for you to learn. That's a moment for you to change. And that's a, that's a moment that you became a better parent. 
Okay, so we all start poorly at things that we're terrible at and have never done. And so when it comes to prayer, what if you gave yourself the permission to start poorly? Like for me, my year started out very poorly. Any goals that I had, any, any, any dreams that I had of being out of the gates on January 1, didn't happen. So this, this year is a start poorly year for me. And so what, what, if your, what if your prayer life isn't quite what you want it to be? Like there, there are no professionals in this. Maybe even you've been, been at this for a long time, but, but when it comes to prayer, if you don't know what to say or how to say it, like what if you started poorly? Like for, for example, you'd love to participate in this 24 days of prayer uh, that we have started, but you're thinking, gosh, we're, we're seven days in. Should I, should I really even start this? Hey, today is a great day to start poorly. Right? Or maybe you're thinking, Pastor Justin, I'm, I'm just a kid. Like, I, I don't really know if the Lord hears me. Does the Lord even really start listening until I'm about 12? Well, what's the rule on that? Now. He hears you now. And today is a great day to start poorly. Okay, or maybe you're on the back, the back nine of life right now. 75 years old, maybe you're middle-aged. Uh, you, you could lay before me all the regrets that you have in life, all the mistakes that you've made, the things that you are not proud of. And you wonder, why would, why would any God desire to have a relationship with me? Why would he want me to pray? And, and what you'll find is, is that when you do pray, when you do um, discover this relationship uh, with Jesus, he has uh, so much love, so much life, so much forgiveness to offer to you. And so whether you have been praying for, for 50 years or not for 50 seconds, uh, be bold enough to start poorly in prayer today. And so here, here's how I want to end our time together this morning. I mentioned that, that Jesus taught on prayer by praying. And so uh, I'm going to invite Jackson to, to come up, and, and he's going to just kind of create some ambiance for us. And, and I want us to pray for three minutes. Now, if you actually pray, it's going to go by like that. If you sort of just sit and wait, um, it'll feel like an eternity, all right? And here's what I want you to do. Over the course of the next three minutes, I want you to pray what you got, whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart, whatever concerns that you may have today, concerns that you may have for tomorrow. Um, ask God to, to help you grow in 2024. Ask God to help you grow in your prayer life. Okay, And so let's, let's start poorly um, because it's better than not starting at all. And I promise you that when you do that, God will meet you in it. So 